It is no longer 420, so we are ready to do a, a video now. We are all composed. We are ready to go. I know there's going to be viewership out there on an NFL-type video and not some psychedelic-type video. We are ready to go right now. It is actually National Librarian Appreciation Day, so we're excited. I personally, I was celebrating yesterday National Chocolate-Covered uh, Cashew Day, not necessarily 420, right? Maybe I was celebrating two things at once, but whatever you want to think. Hope you had a good 420. Hope you had a good start to your week, regardless of what's going on out there. Thank you for being here. My name is Sal Vetri. We're going to break down. Pre-draft, pre-NFL draft, this is two days before, April 21st, pre-NFL draft, the rookie running backs top five related to fantasy football. Obviously, things are going to be changing once we have the landing spots and the capital, the draft capital. Those things are important, right? Landing spot, you don't want to be in a running back by committee. You don't want to be the third guy in your in your offense. Damian Harris last year out of Alabama, Patriots, never even got to see the field for the most part outside of the preseason. Wasn't even active for half of the games, right? You don't want to be that guy. You want to be in a situation where you can have at least a change of pace type of role like an Austin Eckler and you slowly grow into a bigger role there. Or the workhorse back like a Josh Jacobs last year. Miles Sanders, the Saturday back who got to work into that role when he had the opportunities. You want to look for those. So once we have the landing spots, we'll know that. Draft capital is also super important to look at when we're looking at these rookie running backs. There's a guy taken, only one running back taken in the first round, maybe, right? I don't know if it happens, but if there is only one guy taken in the first round, he's probably going to be very much so involved in the offense because you have to pay that player more. Same exact thing as you go through the draft. Fifth round running backs are not going to be as important in fantasy football outside of injuries to their other starters on their team because they're not going to cost that much compared to second and first round running backs. The team is more incentivized literally through money to be playing those players. So when Thursday comes, I'll be having much more videos out there on the running backs, their landing spots. Now where I rank them, now where I think they are, the top five, whatever it might be, top 20 rookies, all this stuff for all different positions. We'll have that. But I think it's very important to look at it and have a baseline, right? A literary binary test, sort of a yes or no, where I want to put them relative to each other pre-draft to get an idea of their skill set, to get an idea of their overall upside. And we'll talk about a main, uh, an array of topics as to why I think that they probably have the upside as to where I'm ranking them. Over my shoulder, you see my number one player, DeAndre Swift right now. Keep in mind, I'm doing this based on a pre-draft, no landing spot, don't know where they're going to get drafted in the draft, doing this based on just my personal beliefs, based on their skill set, based on some of the statistics I'm going to say, and PPR fantasy format. Whether it's a half a point PPR or a full point, whatever you want to do there, if you're doing two point PPR, whatever it is, I want pass catching running backs. The NFL wants pass catching running backs slowly but surely. I think we're going to be getting there. So I think that's probably uh, what we're going to really hit on the most. And then more videos will be coming after that. So thank you for being here. My name is indeed Sal Vetri. Maybe you've seen some of my content. I do a lot of daily fantasy sports content as well as season-long content. I'm going to be bringing out daily videos once the draft is over in the season-long area. If you're here right now, please do hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell if you haven't already, because if you haven't, I don't know why you haven't, listen on the podcast, please do hit that subscribe button. Appreciate all the support right there. Now, with that said, let's get into our top five rookie running backs for fantasy football 2020 pre-draft pre-draft. So my number one is DeAndre Swift. And I think he is the closest to a total package running back that you want in this draft. There's there's no standouts. There's no Saquon Barkley's. There's no Christian McCaffrey's. There's no top 10 running back picks. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, who probably goes a little bit of a, a reach there when the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted him top 10. But there's none of those guys here. There's borderline no first round running back picks. Like I don't think a guy actually gets there. We've seen mock drafts with second and third round running backs as the early earliest running backs taken. Now I'm not too sure if that's actually going to be the case. I think somebody might reach on a running back just because, you know, it's a trendy thing to do still for some of these outdated general managers. But DeAndre Schrift, three years at Georgia. He's 21 years old right now. He's 5'8". He weighs in at 212 pounds. And he ran a 4'4", 40 times. So what you're getting there is you're getting comp- comparisons between Miles Sanders, as you can see on the screen from player profile, to Pierre Thomas. Lots of things to like about DeAndre Swift's game. Number one, so he played 14 games in 2019. He had 1,220 total yards. He also saw 
24 receptions. He had 7.2% of the target share. Now that's nothing crazy, but for running backs, it's good to see just 24 receptions in one season alone in 14 games, seeing over a reception per game, seeing more than two targets per game. Those are good numbers to see. He broke 40 tackles throughout college and his red zone role was very elite. 35 carries for 83 yards, 11 touchdowns versus the AP top 25. It didn't matter once he started facing that good competition. And this is another reason why I have him higher on this list. He was 82 carries, 408 yards and a touchdown over five yards per carry against top 25 teams. Those teams typically have and and a pretty characteristic among all of them is good defenses and good offenses. In his career, this guy was averaging over 6.5 yards per carry. He lost four fumbles on 513 total touches. That's very good uh, fumbling consistency in in terms of not having it very consistent. 73 receptions in three yards is good in three years is good to see. 10.1 target share. Very good to see only three drops on 90 career targets. So what, so what are some of the summaries of this with all the stats? Well, it's positives. I think he's the best receiving back in this class when you're talking about a total package can also bring it on the ground as well. Hello, PPR formats, three straight PFF grades, pro football focus of 80 plus. That's a very good grade. Anything above 80, anything above 70 is average. 80 is really good. 90 is elite territory. So three straight of plus 80. You have that Georgia running back legacy that you can go off of from some of the guys in the past, i.e. Ty Gurley, some of the other guys that have come up through there, still waiting to see some of these guys based on some injuries. He has never been a full workhorse, but it's not like he can't be that full workhorse. It's just based on the, the teams that they've been running in the two running back and three running back sets that they were using in Georgia. Here's a crazy number. 31% of his attempts were either a touchdown or a first down. That is what I call success. That is absolutely fantastic. Your concerns are that he can dance too much, Saquon Barkley-esque behind the line of scrimmage, and also that he has not really been a broken tackle guy in his career, but we can kind of look to those and say, not a ton of college running backs, even if they break tackles, David Montgomery last year, doesn't really translate all that much in matter. We want that pass catching versatility. So I do believe DeAndre Swift is number one overall package in this draft. Again, it's going to depend on draft capital and mainly the landing spot for him, but you're getting that pass catching role that I don't think you're getting out of some of these next few guys on here, at least to the same elite style. Number two for me, Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins. Some of you might've thought Jonathan Taylor is too. A lot of people are mocking him there, but I'm talking about fantasy football here where PPR matters. Again, we'll see where the draft all pulls out, but the most consistent back in my opinion that you've seen throughout all these mocks and really throughout college, J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State, he ended up having while he was there. Three full seasons started out as a true freshman, just going absolutely bonkers. He's 21 years old. He's 5'10", 217 pounds, very good frame to him. He has some Ryan Matthews comparables, as you can see on screen. When he was back in high school, he broke his back, but it really didn't stop him. He ran a 4.45 unofficial time at the 2016 uh, Nike event, the Nike opening in 2016. He did not participate in the combine, so we don't know what the update it is. He had over 2,000 yards, over 300 carries in 2019, and he actually ended up seeing 23 receptions on 28 targets, also a 7.6% target share, very similar to one DeAndre Swift that we just talked about at number one. So what you end up getting is 300 plus carries out of this guy. 73 missed tackles for us was top 10 while he was in college. He was number one in 15 plus yard runs last year with 31. That's an elite number. Number four in yards after contact, this guy could break tackles, right? So the things that you're looking at, he's a one cut runner. He's not going to dance a lot like DeAndre Swift. He's going to set his foot in the ground and he's going to go and he will break tackles, right? 20 plus catches in all three years at Ohio State. Not the elite numbers that you're seeing, right? Not the 25 to 30 plus catches that you can expect out of DeAndre Swift really when he was in college, but that's sort of a, a process of having running quarterbacks next to him, but he shows the ability to actually catch passes. He has that very unique speed plus power combination. And really whoever's going to land this guy is going to get somebody very well because he's a very well-rounded back. What are some of the cons you might say? 
Well, he was never really great after the catch. Like he'll catch these passes and he's not going to get any yards after the catch in open space if he doesn't have momentum. And that's a really big thing for him. As a running back, you have momentum running downhill at guys. You kind of have that first move, that first flinch instinct on them. That's good. That's a totally different skill set from catching the ball in open space and starting from zero when defenders are coming at you full steam ahead. It wasn't really good in that area. And it was really hard to find many other flaws in the sample that you have from it. I mean, you have a guy who's in college. He's averaging like 300 carries a year since he was a true freshman. He's absolutely fantastic. There's a large sample to show that he was one durable during that time. And number two, he's been doing it for so long. So he's sort of in the prime of his career right now, if you will, coming into the league at just what is at this age right now, 21 years old. So uh, fantastic. In my opinion, he has the pass catching capability upsides. If you just look at his career, he has three 1000 yard rushing seasons at Ohio state. He was the best graded receiver as a freshman in the running back class that year as a true freshman. That is very fantastic. 726 carries in three years in college, over 4,400 yards and he ended up catching 71 balls while at Ohio State on 84 career targets. I like the total package here, not as much as Swift for PPR upside. I think PPR upside from Swift can actually have a much higher ceiling there in the pass catching role. But if you're talking about like the safest running back in this draft, all the way, all around, the biggest sample that you have on them can actually contribute in the passing game. I think it's J.K. Dobbins, and depending on his landing spot, he could be my number one. My number three is Jonathan Taylor. Now, this might be a player that a lot of people have as their number one, or at least their number two. I get it if you're looking for a, a real life football running back that you can get in the second or third round maybe in this draft and he could be your workhorse back but he's not really going to contribute in the pass catching role and I need that in fantasy and also he's more of a traditional back he's great on the ground he's a bigger body back 5'11 226 21 years old ran a 439 his comparables out of college are Zeke and DeMarco Murray now those comps are out of college not what Zeke is right now Zeke has transformed his game into a pass catcher DeMarco Murray kind of did a little bit during his time at the Cowboys not so much when he went to uh, the Titans but that's what Jonathan Taylor is right now a guy who maybe can change his game into the pass catching space but he's a very elite running back on the ground a 91 grade from pro football focus I mentioned earlier. Anything above 80 really is great. Anything above 90 is elite. 320 carries for over 2,000 yards last year, 21 touchdowns on the ground, 26 receptions for third on 37 targets. So you're not really going to see him do much after the catch at all, but he did force 89 tackles, uh, missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus, which was number four in all of college football last year. He will be very good on the ground. He will not contribute much for you in the air. So think of Zeke and DeMarco Murray coming out of college before they got in the NFL, especially Zeke catching passes more over these last couple of years. In his career, he has had 925 five carries. That is a lot. That is a huge workload for a guy three years in college. He's been a workhorse averaging over 310 right around there carries per season. That's huge. That's wear and tear on a younger body, right? 21 years old. But again, it's in the prime of his career. Like JK Dobbins, a lot of experience, 10.3% target share during his time in Wisconsin, 55 total touchdowns. Here's some issues. They get the 17 fumbles, only 42 receptions. Those are major concerns uh, for ball security purposes, staying on the field, not going in the doghouse, wherever you go. Bigger bodies coming at you, athletic guys that can punch and are trying to ball hawk that ball out. And then just not having a ton of receptions is a little bit worrisome. 14 receptions per year. He has dropped eight of 65 catchable targets. That is not very good at all. That drop rate is a little bit too high, 12.3%. So the concerns here are his pass catching role, his drop rate, 12.3%, fumbling issues, 17 fumbles. Again, he has a huge workload. So those the numbers are going to be naturally higher, but that's still a lot of fumbles, 17. And a huge workload in college is concerning a little bit, 925 carries for a guy who is mainly getting all that action through the trenches and not going out to the sides and also being involved in the passing game. So you're not taking as much as a beating. The positives, he's a fantastic zone runner. He's ready to go in the NFL with the size and body that he 
has. He breaks tackles with ease. He was number three in yards after contact, number three in force missed tackles, and number two in runs of 15 or more yards last year. He was a total package runner on the ground. It's just going to be interesting to see if that translates to an NFL where we're trying to go to these scat backs, right? These satellite backs like Miles Sanders, Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Will it translate over well for Jonathan Taylor fantasy-wise? In real life, he looks like a very strong traditional uh, ground and pound running back, but does that pass catching role? Is it there for him? And is the wear and tear already on this guy's tires a concern for NFL teams? We shall see. It leaves him as my number three guy. Again, he has the upside to go number one for me in fantasy rookie running backs if the landing spot is really good. But without that really strong pass catching role, it's just not going to get there for me. I think he's the safe guy in real life for NFL teams. I think he's more of my third or fourth option, even depending on the the next guy's landing spot. And let's get into him right now. Oh, baby, Cam Akers. I like me some Cam Akers. Now, look, I I really like J.K. Dobbins in this draft, but Cam Akers, depending on where he lands, can have a ton of upsides. Three years at Florida State, he's still only 20 years old. He's 5'10", 217 pounds. Very nice build for an NFL running back. Ran a 4.47, Marlon Mack, Terrence West, his comparables coming out of college. He was number four in his overall recruiting class in 2017. So what are some of the things that you want to point out about Cam Akers? He had one of the worst offensive lines, the fourth worst in the Power Five, the huge conferences in college football, CFB fourth worst offensive line, and he was still able to produce a 79 PFF grade last year, over 1,100 yards rushing, and caught 30 balls on 38 targets. Those are good numbers for having a terrible O-line around you. He forced 76 missed tackles. That's going to help when your offensive line is bad. Number seven in all of college football. 30 receptions on 42 targets, a 10% target share. That's an elite number for a running back. In his career, you're looking at just under 2,900 total yards on the ground. You're looking at 68 receptions on 86 targets, a 79% catch radius or catch rate. That's very good to see. He averaged close to five yards per carry, 4.89 to be exact. Nine drops, 11.5%. That's not very good. Very similar to Jonathan Taylor's 12 plus percent. Nine drops on 77 catchable passes, according to Pro Football Focus. Here's the big thing. He was a standout pass protector. So wherever he goes, he's going to actually have incentives to go on the field more because he can actually protect the quarterback with his pass catching capabilities. One, as a sort of an escape route, but number two, his pass protection capabilities and just being able to block and stay in there. So if his draft capital is anywhere in like the second or third round, which I think it will be, that's going to be even more incentive. Put him on the field because he can block for the quarterback and you paid him money. So I really, really like the upside of Cam Akers depending on where he lands. So what are the pros for him? Well, it's pass protection and it's the capability of catching passes and the fact that he had a really bad offensive line last year. So it probably can only get better for him, right? Bad offensive line, go into the NFL, have a somewhat decent offensive line, and maybe you can actually see even more upside out of a guy who can actually protect the quarterback and catch passes. The bad things were that he really couldn't overcome that offensive line completely, but he did a good amount. He's not a one cut runner so he can dance a little bit and that 11% drop rate is a little bit of a concern. That offensive line is going to really make him a hard player to kind of pinpoint, but I also think it makes him a very sneaky player. I'm very tempted to put Cam Akers in PPR formats pre-draft, number three ahead of Jonathan Taylor. We'll see where he gets drafted. And then finally, somebody I'm not really that high on that he's almost, there's this tier of running backs, these top five guys. And then there's a drop off to AJ Dillon, Zach Moss. I'll touch on them at the end, uh, just for one liners on them. But then there's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who was really, in my opinion, benefited from this offense in general in LSU, how good they were the best quarterback, the best offensive coordinator, the best team that we've seen in so long, more of a system quarterback or system running back, if you will, just turned 21, 5'7", 207 pounds, three years at LSU, ran a four, six time, the speed really not there as much compared to Chase Edmonds compared to Ray Rice. Okay, well, let's get a little 
bit more into his numbers from 2019. So he had an 85 PFF grade, which is actually surprising. He had over 1,400 yards on 214 attempts. Pretty good numbers there. 55 receptions on 64 targets. I think this is a product of the system, but man, oh man, those reception numbers are elite. They're not sustainable in college football to have 55 passes and receptions, really, unless your team is making deep runs into the playoffs and you get to play an extra few games and your scheme is really set up that way because you have such a really good offensive coordinator in Joe Brady centered around you. He broke 71 tackles, which was number 14th overall. 55 receptions on 58 targets is fantastic. A 10.2% target share there. They threw the ball a ton in LSU. They just had a ton of offensive plays as well. That offense was elite. You saw some of the broken records everywhere for pretty much every single player. Most valuable running back in PFF in wins above average. So interesting to see there. A lot of these numbers though, they're going to factor in the success of your team. Second batch rushing grade from PFF last year. His breakaway percentage though was not that great. In his career, only nine rushing attempts in 2017 for 31 yards. He was a true freshman, didn't get a lot of work. In 2018 and 2019 is the main sample that we have on him. 361 carries for 200 for 2,072 yards and 24 touchdowns on the ground. He caught 66 receptions over the past two years on 72 targets, 549 receiving yards. These are very good and stable numbers. So why do I have him at number five? I kind of hinted on it a little bit. He's a really bad pass protector. He's slower, he's smaller, and those things do not translate well into the NFL. Being bad at pass protection will keep you off of the field. Not having speed and being a little bit smaller of a back, the, the smallness doesn't matter as much. Smallness, what a word, doesn't matter as much, but it's still not, it's not ideal. You want bigger body backs that can at least take a beating. Josh Jacobs, for instance, right? Guys like that, even Miles Sanders to an extent being a little bit bigger. So that's the concerns there. And then also the offense that he was in, it was the LSU offense. People are going to say that was maybe the best one of all time in college football. It's hard to really say that his numbers compare up to the other guys one-to-one when they don't. Guys were running behind, like Cam Akers, terrible offensive lines. You have him behind one of the best offensive lines with the best offensive coordinator, with the best offense, with the best QB, right? So it's really hard to compare these things. It's an outlier to see that many receptions for a running back in a single season. It's good to see, but it's so much a product of the system. He can pass catch. He's very elusive. He's tough to bring down in open space. He had the fourth most, 14th most runs of 21 uh, or 20 or more yards last year. So that's good to see. He has the explosiveness, but again, it's just the system that keeps him here for me. And also the guys above him. I'm not putting him ahead of the top four guys that I already have listed here. I do not think that it's right for fantasy purposes. We'll see where he ends up. If he's in a workhorse role, well then sure. It's hard not to like him there, uh, but I don't know if that's actually going to be the case. This is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, my number five PPR running back. Well, there you go. Five running backs pre-draft, the top five that I have factoring in PPR format. This is pre-draft. Depending on where they land, depending on their draft capital, aka where they're picked in the draft, things will change. And I will have more videos for that at every single position moving forward for rookies. And then we'll start to get into the meat and potatoes of the season, the rankings, all these different must-haves for certain positions. Thank you so much. Fantasy Football 2020. It's right around the corner. I'm so happy that you tuned into this video. If you watched the entire video, let me know in the comments below. I want to personally reach out and thank you. Follow me on Twitter and reach out with any questions at DFS. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell before you go. Happy Librarian Appreciation Day. Be sure to, to call one up, right? I don't know if we've ever all been going to the library of late, but do something there. And if not, celebrate whatever tomorrow's national calendar day is. Thank you so much. My name's Sal Vetri, and I will see you in the next one. 